This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. I see new faces in the room, and I just want to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Kevin. I have the privilege of pastoring our church. We have an amazing staff. I'm so glad that you're here this morning, and uh, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for you, and uh, we would like to invite you, if you're new with us this morning, if you would reach forward right in front of you in your the seat back chair, if you would pull out a card and fill it out so that we can get better connected with you. We would love to do so. You can leave it on your chair so an usher can pick it up, or you can drop it in the green box. You can hand it to one of the pastoral staff. We would just love for you to participate in that, and we're thankful. Uh, we have started last week uh, promoting Union Gospel Mission. If you're familiar with Salem, Union Gospel Mission is a uh, nonprofit organization that helps uh, work with homeless men, women, teenagers, feeds them, clothes them, all those sorts of things. And we began to participate with them. Their goal by this, by this Wednesday is to have enough money given to feed 25,000 homeless in our state. And uh, what an opportunity that is, primarily in the city of Salem. They've come to the reality that it's $1.98 a meal. Let me tell you, you ain't going to be feeding your family for $1.98 at home. But I would like to invite you to participate in this. As you approach Thanksgiving, if you're thankful and you're preparing for your family, would you also prepare for someone that's not in your family? Would you think bigger than yourself and give, give that way? Uh, if you would do so, there's a website, there's a ch- all, all the information there. You can drop it in the green box. We're wanting to, be, to get a check off this week. Uh, to to help them out with that. Uh, again, 25,000 meals that they're trying to participate in. And at this point, we've raised $496. So that's amazing. 250 meals coming from Relevant Life Church. And we would like to give a little bit, we would like to give more than that. Also, our above and beyond, as Pastor Jesse was talking about, Giving Tuesday and above and beyond, we've been in this journey of providing for Chi Alpha, which is our uh, a, a college ministry across the state of Oregon, but also across the United States of America through the Assemblies of God. And uh, Chi Alpha, uh, we're wanting to give hope to that generation. We're wanting to give purpose to that generation. And uh, we're, uh, I want to give you the report of where we're at is uh, 44,763 pledged. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Our goal was 30. Come on. Yeah, we can give, let's give God a clap today. Our goal was 35,000. We've surpassed that. Uh, uh, we've progress, the money that's actually come in is 25000 so far. If you have not given yet, we would love for you to participate. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. We would love for 100% participation because we believe in the next generation. Not only is above and beyond for Chi Alpha, but part of that is going to be going to Relevant Life Church Generations Ministries, and uh, we're thankful for that. Today, we're back in our DM series. Everyone say direct message. Direct message. Some of you thrive on this concept of direct message because it's depending on generation and how you view it. But everyone uh, uh, has a prayer life, and we've been dialogue. Or hopefully, you have a prayer life. Hopefully, you've prayed once in your life. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you prayed because you said, "Jesus, forgive me." You know. Uh, but that whole pro- concept of, of prayer. Pastor Trenton last week preached an amazing sermon on hearing, hearing the voice of God. And if you missed it, you want to go back and listen to it. It's vital, vital for your relationship with God, vital for your, your faith, vital for who you are. And we just want to um, encourage you to, to stay up on this series. We believe wholeheartedly in this concept 
of, of, of prayer. I believe at the beginning of 2023, the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart of getting back to basics, and we did this Bible series, and part of it has been a prayer series, knowing that we need to pray, knowing that prayer is important, and I believe that all of us really want to pray somewhere, but how many have discovered that prayer is work? Prayer, prayer is a simple concept, but it's not easy to do, and uh, there's a lot of variables that come, but today I want to talk about prayer once again, and one of the questions that we've asked, if, if God were a contact in your phone, how often would you be messaging him? This idea of direct messaging, whether it's a social media or whether it's a texting uh, device that you use, it's direct messaging is this concept that you have direct connection with the individual that you are messaging, direct connection with the person that you are talking to. Uh, Pastor Trenton talked last week really quickly about the concept of when you send a message and no one responds, and this concept that God is there, but how, or that he's very short in his response. How many have discovered, whether it's in real life or with God, that sometimes you get frustrated with how quick or how little he responds or how he responds? The whole concept that is there. But if God were this contact in your phone, what would be the exchange between you and him? How would you, would, would there be a regular message day after day after day? Would it be, God, thank you for my food and that's about it? Would there be uh, asking for wisdom and understanding? What would you be talking about and how would he be responding? The overarching theme of the series has been, don't let prayer be your last resort, but make prayer your first response. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can get in the middle of circumstances and situations, and I hate to tell you, but sometimes prayer is my last response, not my first response. I get into the mode of how can I fix it? How can I solve it? God, what do I need to do? God, how do I need to respond? Maybe I need to call someone on the phone because I'd rather have the comfort of someone talking to me rather than sending a message to God going, are you going to hear me? Are you going to respond? The concept of prayer is touching heaven to change earth. If we really understood this concept, that when we pray, we're touching heaven, and as heaven is moved, God changes earth. How many, have, how many have experienced that in your own life? That you've prayed a prayer, and God's answered that prayer, and, and you, you, you touched heaven, you touched God, but he came down and he touched earth. He touched your circumstance. He touched the area of your life. Robert Law says this, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. Can I tell you that oftentimes we approach prayer as this, this genie in a bottle that if we rub it, it's going to come out and he's going to give us three wishes. And yes, prayer does grant us things. God, God grants us ac uh, access to the presence of God. And yes, we do get answers as we pray. But can I tell you today, it's not about changing heaven. It's about changing earth. It's about his will in heaven being done on earth. His will in heaven being done in this earth. Can I tell you the goal of God is to change you, to transform you, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what this concept of prayer is all about. Question today that as we give you this overarching up for the sermon this morning is if your prayers were answered, would they just change your life or would they change the world? I want you to think about that. The prayers you pray, would they just change you and change your life? Even though that's magnificent and that's great, would your prayers transform this earth. Because I, I, I want to tell you today that your salvation is not just about you. 
Your walk with God is not just about you. Your power of prayer is not that you rub the magic lamp and God answers your prayer for you. God answers your prayer to change the world. That your life has this impact. So I ask you, as you begin to pray, as you're praying, are they prayers that are just changing your life? Or are they changing those around you? E.M. Bounds says this, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. This idea, the definition of prayer, we've simplified it. It's talking to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, talking to God. I ask you, how much are you, how many, how, how much are you talking to God? This concept of talking to God. If prayer, if prayer is talking to God, do we understand who we're talking to? Do we realize that the God of all creation is at our beck and call at our moment's notice? That we can text him anytime we want to. And I ask you, if we're talking to God, how big is your God? If we're talking to God, how powerful is your God? I've discovered in my own life that I am not a professional prayer. I feel like I'm a novice in prayer. As much as I love the concept of talking to God, I still feel like I've barely grown in my prayer life. Anybody out there can understand that concept? I would classify myself as a prayer worker. I realize that prayer works and I work at praying. How many can put yourself in that boat? I know that prayer works and I work at praying. I, I have to, it, it's not just a natural response as much as I wish that it was. I can tell you that what I am convinced of and that what I do know that I, that I, I am I'm, I'm convinced of who I'm talking to. I have come to a knowledge and understanding that when I pray, I'm not just talking to an empty room. I'm not sending a text that's never going to be responded to. I'm not talking to a God that is made of human hands. I'm talking to the God of all creation. I'm talking to the God who's powerful, who's mighty, who's able to save, who's able to heal, who's able to deliver. And I know for a fact who I am talking to, even though I'm not a professional prayer. I've mastered the concept of who I am praying to. I do know that he's powerful. I do know that he's able. I do know that when I pray, he hears me. I have learned in the process of life with God that God never hangs up on me. Today, the title of my message is titled, Because You Prayed. Everyone say it with me, because you prayed. Turn to your neighbor and say, because you prayed. This idea of prayer, if prayer is talking to God, this word because, the reason that something is happening. You know, we understand this idea of cause and effect in our culture today, cause and effect, that because you did something, something came as a result, something happened. If we're thinking about this concept of prayer, the reason that something is happening, because you talked to God, something happened. Because you prayed, God did something. As you look at your life, as you think about your life, can you think of because I prayed moments, because you prayed moments? I look at my life as I'm preparing for this morning. I've, I, I made a list, a, a short list, I could go on and on and on, of because I prayed moments in my life. These weren't perfect prayers. They weren't prayed out of perfect faith. They weren't prayed out of a right heart or right motives. I want you to hear me that there's not a perfect prayer. 
So I want you to understand this, but in those moments, because I prayed, God did something. I prayed for a strong and a bold woman to walk through this life with me and to minister with me and my Rhonda gave, God gave me Rhonda. Rhonda gave me Rhonda. <laughs> her and God are really close right there, you know. I prayed for a, God to heal our marriage after four years of dysfunction. And today we're married 37 years. I prayed for my daughter who's here today who had a moment in her life that walked a little bit away from God, walked away from purpose. And can I tell you today, she's sitting here on purpose, in God's purpose. I prayed that God would give us a son and God gave us Trenton. I prayed that God would heal him in a long stomach illness that we went 21 day fasting and praying as the doctor declared, no, he will never be free from this. A year and a half or longer of a medical problem in his gut and the doctor was saying that we needed to give him medicine that would have hindered the rest of his life. And today... He is healed and restored because we prayed moments. I prayed that my children would love and serve God. And today, Cindy and Alex are youth pastors in Forest Grove and Trent and Allie are on ministry on staff here today. They love God and they love people and they love to serve. I prayed that Rhonda would be a survivor of cancer and she's sitting here three years after cancer. I prayed for our grandson who's upstairs today. As he was born, born early and he was born into great physical struggles and today he is completely normal. A little bit less hair than he was last week. <laughs> I can go on and on and I can talk about how God brought vision and clarity to Relevant Life Church. How God did what God has done. I think about in 2008 stepping into a congregation of 68 people and God doing what he did to bring greatness in his kingdom. I began to think about the idea of God saying, God, we need your prayer. We need finances. God, we need you to provide. And I look at how God continually provides his, his finances for us. I remember in 2016 saying, God, I want, would you expand us? God, I don't know what this looks like. And a miracle of all miracles, God drops this campus into our hands for free. Can I tell you, because I prayed moments, because I prayed moments, God did something. God touched heaven and God changed earth. Now, I can tell you this, that not all of those look the way I imagined. Not all of those are down to my specifics, uh, specifications of what I wanted to see. But all of those are down to God's specifics of what he purposed to happen. I can tell you today that I'm continuing to pray prayers Prayers that I haven't seen answered yet. Prayers that I'm waiting on. Some I'm waiting patiently and some I'm waiting impatiently. Some I want now. Anyone want them now? The real thing I've realized is the more that I pray, the more I see the effect of prayer. The more that I experience prayer in my life, the more I realize that because you prayed moments. As I was driving across town and, and just thinking this morning and I began to pray for individuals in this room. Pray for people because I believe in the because I pray moments. I'm inspired. I'm challenged. God, I need to pray more because God, you are a God that is moved by prayer. Can you think of a moment in your life? Can you identify moments in your life that you have responses or results today because you prayed? Because you prayed. Raise your hand if you have because you prayed moments. Across this room, everyone is saying, no, I've prayed and God's done something in my life. 
When you are praying, when you pray, you're expecting an answer. You're expecting something. J.J. Vasquez says this, your experience of prayer is predetermined by your expectations of prayer. Your experience of prayer is predetermined by your expectations of prayer. Your expectations set the tone of your experience. If you come and it's just idle, idle words and you're not coming expecting God to do anything, can I tell you, you're probably not going to receive anything. Why? Because expectation is marked by this thing called faith. And without faith, no man can please God. Without approaching God with a concept of God, I believe, I expect of you something. Can I tell you that many times we don't receive from God because we don't expect anything from God? Many times we come into a room like this and we worship God and we go, and I'm just going through my religious process and I'm not expecting anything from God. If you're expecting to encounter God, can I tell you, you're going, I guarantee you, you will encounter God today. It comes back to the thing of what you expect. This word expectation, a strong hope or belief that something will happen. Everyone say something. Something will happen. When I talk to God, the God of all creation, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. If, if there's any takeaway today, my, my goal, my desire is for you to see the value of because I prayed moments, that when I talk to God, God is going to do something. Amen. This idea of expectations. How many have discovered that you have expectations in every relationship that you're in? Expectations that are spoken. Expectations that are unspoken. How many love those unspoken expectations? How many have unspoken expectations in your life? Can I tell you that every unspoken expectation is never going to be met because you've never spoken out? We go into our relationships, we go into our marriages, we go into our friendships, and we have these spoken expectations, and then we have these unspoken expectations. These unspoken expectations are there, and if, if it doesn't happen, we get discouraged. We, we feel unloved, we feel unvalued, we feel ignored, we feel hurt, we feel rejected, and then we have the expectations that are realistic and unrealistic expectations. We think about this concept of expectations, and we think about this, our relationship with God. Are we afraid to expect something of God because we're fearful he won't meet our expectation? Do we approach God and God, whatever happens, let your will be done? Do we let him off the hook, even though that's a prayer and it's important because we want his will? But this mindset that it's okay to have an expectation of God. It's okay to come with a mindset to go, no, God, you are able. God, you are powerful. God, you are the one that created heavens and earth. God, you are the one that directs my life. Mark chapter 11 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Everyone say that with me. Have faith in God. The statement that is so important, have faith in God. It doesn't say have faith in prayer. Can I tell you that I believe as, before I even get into this verse here, I think many times we come having faith in the concept of prayer, not in the God of prayer. 
We have faith. We try to have put faith in the vehicle of talking, of direct messaging, when we need to put faith in the one who is going to answer that prayer. Jesus said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I can tell you, uh, I, I, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you pray that you, that you have, pray, excuse me. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I love this verse of scripture because it's outrageous. It's beyond understanding. Can I tell you that I was looking at commentaries over and over and over and over again. There are a few that go, well, no, God, Jesus was just given an example that he really didn't have the power to move a mountain. And I go, baloney. I didn't think that word in my mind, but that's what I'm saying out loud. (laughs) Because that's not true. If God is able, if God spoke the heavens and the earth, let me tell you, he can tell the, move, the Mount, Mount Olives is what they're referring to. He can say, move to the ocean. I don't want you here anymore. Why is it that we have this mindset that we want to give God an out? Why is it that we come and we go, well, can he? Will he? And Jesus said, have faith in God. If you believe it, it will happen. He says, if you believe it, come with an expectation. If you pray for it, come with an expectation. Don't just go, God, well, maybe. No, come with an expectation. He says, you pray for anything. If you pray for anything, it will be yours. The principle of this passage of scripture is that we are to pray big, bold prayers. That we're to have faith in a big, capable God. And we're to have, we're to expect big answers from him. Many times we come and we minimize because I wonder if we don't know who he is. We don't believe what he can do. God's word is filled with because you prayed moments. The reason things happened was because someone prayed and God responded. If I were to take time this morning, we would be here for hours if I were to go through every miracle of someone praying and God answering throughout Scripture. But the reality is this. God doesn't answer prayers that you do not pray. God does not answer prayers that you do not pray. Are you missing an opportunity because you're not praying? Are you missing an opportunity because you're trying to do it on your own? Are you missing an opportunity because rather than coming to God going, oh, the God, this is too small. God's going, nothing's too small. God, this is too big. Nothing's too big. Imagine with me for a moment. What if people had not prayed? We, were to, we would assume then that the answers would not have come. Am I correct? Think about the course of history that has been changed because God has answered prayers of people. Think about the course of history throughout the Old and the New Testament because God answered the prayers of men and women and teens. Because you prayed, things happen. Because you pray, 
things are changed. Prayer matters. Everyone say it, prayer matters. Today, I want to talk about a story, an Old Testament story of a life of prayer. And an Old Testament story of a faithful king in the line of many unfaithful kings. And yes, his faithfulness and his godliness were part of his relationship with God. But I believe today I've watched, I've, I've looked through Old Testament and New Testament and God answered prayer not based upon the righteousness of a person, but based upon the request of a person and who they were praying to. Second Kings chapter 18, bear with me, I've got quite a bit of scripture, but I want you to understand this, scripture, this story. A story of Hezekiah as the king, 29 years, in, he became king at 25, and he reigned for 29 years. So 29 years of his life were encapsulated with this relationship of God. We see three chapters in the book of Second Kings, and I want to highlight parts of them. Verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, Hezekiah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king and reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed the high places, smashed the the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses Moses had made, for up to the time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord that God had had given Moses, and the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. This whole passage of Scripture, this first part, is this implication of who Hezekiah was. We don't see the ins and outs and the ups and downs, but we're aware, made aware of by history as well as by the scripture. Would you imagine with me this, this scene that the Assyrian army, the most powerful military force on earth, is ravaging the countryside, has ravaged, country, uh, has ra- ravaged countries around him. It is now in, now in Judah, and there he is there, and he's ravaging the countryside. He's just a, they're just a few miles away. They're threatening the weaker cities into submission and destroying the rest. They're carting away their riches and they're levying a burdensome annual tax that that bleeds the nations for even more. Hundreds of thousands of enemy soldiers are within two or three days march of Jerusalem. And they end up outside the walls of this great city. You're Hezekiah. You're king of Judah. You're caught in the middle. Your, Your capital is the fortress city of Jerusalem. One report follows another of a city breached and burned, another people conquered and forced into submission. None are able to stand before the Assyrian army. Your people are filled with fear. Many are calling to you to submit to the Assyrians. Resistance is hopeless, they're saying. They cry out, you'll get us all killed, but you are a believer in Yahweh, the God of all creation. And your statement is, he will save us. And you tell your people, he will save us. Times couldn't be more desperate, more bleak, and more filled with violence. This is the tone of the remainder of Hezekiah's life. This is the tone. This is what he's feeling inside. But what we have to remember is the tone that was set before of how he valued who God was. Now I'm going to just hit around here in scripture, 2 Kings chapter 18, Sennacherib's king of Assyria attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. And the messengers have now come to Jerusalem and, and they're telling the, the, 
the people on the, on the wall. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord, this God, your God, deliver Jerusalem from my hand? When King Hezekiah heard this, he, went, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth, and he went into the temple of the Lord. He sent his palace administrator and his secretary and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah. And through Isaiah, God responds, listen, I myself will move against him. Second Kings chapter 19, King Hezekiah received the letter of threat and harassment of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went into the room, of, uh, into the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before, before the Lord. And I want, I, I'm reading this because I want you to hear Hezekiah's prayer. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kings of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, uh, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib that he has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that, uh, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. And they have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they are not gods, uh, but only wood and stone fashioned by man's hand. Now, O Lord, our God. Now the one who's real. Now the one who created heavens and earth, deliver us by your hand so that all the kingdom of the earth will know that you alone are God. And this is what the Lord said, to, said the Lord God said of Israel, basically because you prayed, I have heard your prayer. And this is what the Lord says to the king of Assyria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not shoot an arrow at it. And that very night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian army and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Second Kings chapter 20, another part of Hezekiah's story. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and it was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly before Isaiah had left the middle courtroom of the palace. The word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of the people, that this is what the Lord of God of your father, David, says. Because you've prayed, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears and Hezekiah, I'm going to heal you. Not only am I going to heal you, but I'm going to give you 15 more years. What we have to understand is we're talking about a lifetime of an individual who believed in the concept of because you prayed moments. The God, time after time after time, who brought deliverance to Hezekiah in the situation. Hezekiah's life in summary, he was a king at 25 and reigned for 29 years. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. He held fast to God. He kept God's commandments. When the enemy threatened him, he turned to God and prayed. When the enemy threatened him again, he turned to God again and prayed. When he was told that he was going to die, he turned to God and he prayed. Hezekiah's life was mocked, marked by prayer. Is your life marked by prayer? Do you have because I prayed moments? Today, I want to give you four points because, because praying realizes, number one, prayer is a priority. 
Because praying realizes that prayer is a priority. Prayer, as we've talked about, should be our first response, not our last resort. We look at Hezekiah's life and we see that it was the first thing he did. It was the thing that he ran to. He understood this relationship with God. Why was prayer, why was Hezekiah's prayers, why was prayer Hezekiah's first response? Because Hezekiah had a deep connection with God. I love verse 5 of 18. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. Held fast. The word here in the Greek is actually clung to. When you cling to something, there's a desperation that goes along with it. When you cling to something, it's not just, ooh, it's dirty. No, you're like grabbing hold of it. This concept of clinging to is actually grabbing hold of something with both arms and holding on to it for dear life. Here it talks about Hezekiah, that he held fast. He clung to the Lord and did not stop following him. Hezekiah was desperate for God. Hezekiah was desperate because he knew that without God, all things were, impo- all things were impossible to even accomplish. The three occurrences that we see in these, that I read to you today in these three chapters covering Hezekiah's life caused him great distress. He uses the words in this passage of scripture that these are days of distress, days of rebuke, and days of rejection. How many have ever felt that in your life? You're in the middle of a circumstance and you feel distressed. You feel rebuked. You feel rejected. What's your response? Hezekiah's first response was to contact God. It wasn't to go to all of his counselors. It wasn't to go to all the people that were in his court to bring comfort. It wasn't to go count his gold. He turned to God. Response number one, after the messengers came outside the wall, immediately Hezekiah heard the report and he tore his clothes, put on burlap and went into the temple of the Lord. After he receives the letter, he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord and said, God, consider these people's threats. When Hezekiah was sick and dying, he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. What's your first response? Each of these occurrences, Hezekiah prioritized prayer. I love how the last one is described. He turned his face to the wall and he prayed. Have you ever had those moments in your life when in all practical terms, you've turned your face to the wall? You've turned your face away from circumstances and situations. You've turned your face to turn your eyes off of what people are doing and going, God, if you don't come through, there is no hope. Can I tell you, there's been those turn my face to the wall moments when Rhonda was facing cancer going, God, the doctors are saying this. If you don't do something, there is no hope. Hezekiah, Isaiah had just come to him and said, you're dying. Dude, put your house in order. What you don't realize in the story, you don't see until a little bit later, Hezekiah had no child to pass his, pass his throne to. If Hezekiah would have died, there would have been no one to take over his kingdom. It would have been a random person. In the process of the reprieve of God giving Hezekiah life, God says, I'm going to give you 15 more years. Three years later, his son Manasseh was born and 
became, and his son became king at age 12 when Hezekiah died. There was a multi-layer of events that took place, multi-layer of, of blessing, multi-layer of change. The reality is this, that God answered Hezekiah's prayer. Many times you and I can go to, go to scripture and go, well, Hezekiah prayed this way, so I better pray this way. Are we not people of pattern? We watch someone else's prayer. We see scripture prayed. We follow a pattern. We go, if I do these things, then God's going to answer. Can I tell you what happens in our humanity? We get our eyes on a system and on a process, and we remove our eyes from the God who answers prayer. Now, I'm all for process. I'm all for patterns. But if that pattern takes your attention away from him, it's become your object of prayer. You put your our object of faith. It has to stay on him. What I love about this concept is that Hezekiah did not do the same thing each time. He did address the same God each time. It wasn't the formula of Hezekiah's prayer that changed the situation. It was the change of Hezekiah's focus. He always focused away from a situation onto the power of God to transform his situation. It wasn't just a method. It was his confidence that he clung to God because you prayed moments. Number two, because praying realizes prayer touches God. Do you ever feel like your prayers hit the ceiling? Do you ever feel like your prayers are just rattling around the room? You're reverberating and you're like going, God, do you even hear me? God, can you hear me? God, are you there? I think of the Verizon commercial going, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And we feel like we've got to get closer to this, this, this thing that we don't even really understand what it is. God, can you hear me? I understand this concept of can you hear me now? We live out South Salem and for some reason in our house, it is, we drop calls all the time. So in our house, we have to connect to Wi-Fi to make telephone calls, to connect to Wi-Fi, to receive text messages. So if I am sitting in my garage, getting ready to leave my garage, I have okay service. But if I pull 10 feet ahead into my driveway, my Wi-Fi drops and my phone call drops. What happens oftentimes in my life is I'm heading out the door to go to the office and my phone rings and I go, do I answer it? Do I not answer it? And I answer the phone and then I'm sitting there in my garage for 15, 20 minutes getting to the office late because if I drive, I'm going to drop a phone call. I have to drive about a block and a half to get in to connection once again. There's this cellular drop that takes place. What I want you to understand is this. God never drops our calls. I don't care where you're at. You don't have to be close to a particular tower. He is there. It doesn't matter what kind of device you use. If you use a, uh, the superior one, Apple, or the... That's for candy this morning. But can I tell you, his, his cellular plan is superior it is superior. He is there all the time. You don't have to worry going, God, do I need to, if I, I better pray now or I better pray later. No, pray now and pray later. The fact that we see in this passage of scripture that we must understand is that the office of the prophet was given by God. 
So I don't want to devalue the office of the prophet this morning. I don't want to devalue the office of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was the voice of God, uh, and he, but he didn't replace God. It was natural for the king or the people to go to the office of the prophet to speak with God, to get direction and hear his voice. In this first scenario, we see that, I, that Hezekiah goes into the room or goes into the temple, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he sends message to Isaiah. Isaiah, communicate to God for me. But can I tell you the pattern changes? Because God, God cares about Hezekiah and Hezekiah understands it. Because prayer touches God and Hezekiah understands it. From the, the progression of the story, the first time he goes to Isaiah to communicate to God and for every time after that, he doesn't go to Isaiah anymore. He turns his face to God and says, God, I need you to come through. Why? Because he knows that prayer touches God. Hezekiah honored the office of Isaiah, but he also saw that, but he also clung to the God of, <clears throat> to God himself. How many have ever uh, been on a phone call with customer service? And you're frustrated in the response that the person that, that you're talking to is giving you. And you say, can I talk to someone else? And they pass you on. And can I talk to someone else? And finally, are you the kind of person that ever says, can I talk to your supervisor? How many have ever asked the question, can I talk to your supervisor? And by that time, you ain't no nice and kind. If you're like me, you're like going, I am fed up and I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. And if you could see how tall I am, I'm going to smash you. <laughs> That's what I feel like inside. But yet I'm trying to be godly. But there's a little bit of flesh that's coming out. Can I talk to your supervisor? Can I tell you that's what Hezekiah is doing? He's sidestepping Isaiah. He's sidestepping the middleman. He's going, I'm talking to the supervisor. Isaiah, you're awesome. You've done great things, but I'm tired of going through with you. going through you. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. And God, I'm just gonna call you right now myself. We can see in this passage of scripture, God cared, God was touched by prayer because his response was, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid of what you have heard. Uh, when he, when, he, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return home. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Syrian army and killed 185,000 soldiers. It goes on a little bit further, and I pray, I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears and I will heal you. God was moved by Hezekiah's prayers, not just the prayers of Isaiah, not just the prayers of your pastor, not just the prayers of an elder. Can I tell you today, you have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it doesn't matter how flashy you pray. It doesn't matter what words you use. It's because you prayed and your faith was in him, not in the aspect of the words. Can I tell you, we limit ourselves because we come to this place of going, God, I want to touch you. Do I, what are the words I use? And God's going, would you just talk to me? Would you just talk to me? Prayer touches God. Number three, because praying realizes prayer changes you. Prayer changes you. Read a lot of articles this week, did a lot of studying the concept of, can you change the mind of God? 
I don't have time to get into the concept of the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of everything. But rather than coming and going, God, I want to change your mind, can I tell you today that not only does prayer touch God, prayer changes you. Frequently, the richest answers are not the speediest. Delayed answers are not only, not only trials of faith, but they give us an opportunity of honoring God by our steadfast confidence in him. Today, we wonder why God, dude, takes so long to answer. God, why can we see Hezekiah's speedy answers that, God, you show up and you do? Can I tell you today, this statement encapsulated it all. Frequently, the richest answers are not the speediest answers. Can I tell you, in my life, the delayed answers in my life have brought those trials of my faith and tested my faith, tested the fiber of who I am. They give me opportunity to honor God by my steadfast confidence in him. There have been so many times that I feel like I've prayed and God did not answer. Or did he? Or did he? He may not have changed the circumstance, but can I tell you, he changed me. He's transformed me. He transformed my perspective, transformed my heart. And I'll say this this morning. If prayer is not working out, prayer is working within. If prayer is not changing the circumstances, prayer is changing you. This idea that many times we're looking for something and we want something and God wants to give us something. But can I tell you, oftentimes the purpose of your trial, the purpose of the test in your life is transformation in you not changing of a circumstance or a situation. God wants to change you. Delayed answers from God test your resolve. They test your humility. They test your reliance. They test your trust. Can I tell you today that trust does not grow when everything is good. Trust grows when you are forced to trust when there is no other response. Delayed answers are actively working within you. Many people, unfortunately, see prayer as an attempt to bend God's will to theirs. We think that if we pray our prayers, we're going to convince God that our way is the right way. How many of you ever prayed prayers like that? Can I tell you, I prayed a lot of prayers like that. God, if you could only see it from my perspective, you know, God, my ways are better than yours, and I really know the answer to this circumstance. God, if you could just see it from my perspective, Right? Can I tell you that God wants to hear our perspective? But God's not going to change his mind to our perspective. Why? Because our perspective is so much less than his perspective. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts, God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are, my way, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, in, as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. This concept, God's ways are so much bigger than ours. They're so much higher than ours. And he goes, God, he's, he's saying, I want you to understand me. I want to change you to understand me. I want to change you to grasp who I am. Number four, because praying realizes prayer is effective. If we have to have expectation or we need to have expectation, we need to know that prayer is effective. 
If we want to grow our expectation, we have to come and go, no, are my words even doing anything? Is this communication with God even changing anything? I can tell you today, my belief is that prayer is powerful and prayer is effective. And then you say, Pastor Kevin, why is it that you struggle to pray? If you can answer that, please tell me. I do know that prayer is effective. I asked myself all week this week as I'm preparing this message, going, God, I know prayer is effective. Why don't I do it more? Why don't I pray more? God, why can't I be like that person that gets on his knees and prays for five hours? And in my life, getting on my knees for five minutes, my knees start to ache and my back starts to hurt. And I start thinking, man, I'm hungry. You know, I could be sitting in a lounge chair over there playing on my phone. But I will tell you this, prayer is powerful and prayer is effective. It has an effect. Results are there. I love when I begin to see results of efforts put forth. Starting in a couple months here, the new year, and everyone's new year goal, you know, it happens every year that 99% of America says, I'm going to lose weight this year. We have these great initiatives, and we begin to try to eat right, we try to exercise, and we do it really good for two weeks, but we don't see body transformation, and we're going, this isn't worth it. This isn't effective. Am I correct? Can I tell you that that's how oftentimes we view prayer? We say our, ni- our nice little two-second prayer, and we go, God, show up and do something. I love to see the results. Our humanity wants to see results. We want to see the return of investment. But what I want you to understand here is that Hezekiah, his life was a continued investment in relationship with God. Not that he did everything right, but it was continually. He was going on a regular basis. It wasn't just, it was, it was little on little on little on little. We don't see, we don't know how long it took for these miracles to transpire. It's why we love Bible stories is we can go, they came to, the, came to the ocean and God parted the water and they walked across. We don't see the tension and the trial of faith. We see the story and the calamity and we see the miracle and we see the answer. And we're going, God, you did it there, you can do it here. And I want to tell you, yeah, he did it there and he can do it here and he's in the process of doing it. But many times we're wanting it in the split second and God's going, I want to do something in you prayer is effective. James chapter 5 says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The word translated prayer in verse 16 is not the word, same, same word used in the preceding verses. This word prayer in verse 16 refers to specific petitions with definite results expected. Specific petitions with definite results Expected. The beginning of this says, if anyone is sick amongst you, come to the elders of the church and let them pray for you. Confess your sins that you may be made whole. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He's coming with the connotation that there is a specific thing that is asked for and a specific result. 
There is a working energy that is here when it's effective comes from this very, this word effective comes from the word energy. It's referred not to your energy, it's referring to the energy of God in you. Can I tell you, imagine the God of all creation, the God who spoke the heavens and the, the, heavens and the earth, all creation, spoke the trees and the water, that that energy that's going is effective in working you. Prayer has an effect. There is a result of prayer that's seen and it's unseen. This idea of prayer is this. Prayer is a ballistic missile that can be launched from a launching pad no larger than a place to kneel. It can travel at the speed of thought. It can land on target thousands of miles away or right next door, and there is no defense against it. And I ask you today, if that's prayer, why don't we do it? Prayer changes things. Prayer transforms the battlefield. Prayer creates a situation in a world that is unfair and unfit. And he goes, no, God, he, he, he flips, flips it all for us. If prayer puts God to work on earth, then by the same token, prayerlessness excludes God's from the world's affairs. Prayerlessness in your life is excluding him from the answers in your life. Please don't hear that as as condemnation this morning, it's what God's speaking even to my life, going, Kevin, you're excluding me. You're excluding my power from your life. Every prayer you don't pray is a prayer that I don't answer. I often wonder, how do people survive without God? How do people survive a cancer journey like Rhonda and I did without God? How do people survive hurt without God? How do people survive abuse and trauma and relational strife without God, without the ability to talk to an all-powerful God? As I close, Ephesians 3.20 says this, now all glory to God who is able. Everyone say able. able. Who is able? Able to do what? To do anything to do anything, to move this mountain into the ocean, to do anything. Now to who, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power, not just at work in the heavenlies, but at work in us, in you and in me, to accomplish more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Can I tell you this? Paul is talking here about this concept of prayer in, in a, in a, just an overlooking way, overarching way. He says, you're going to ask for something, but God's not just going to do what you ask. He's going to do what you, beyond what you ask. He's going to do what beyond what you do. Can I tell you in my life, I'm still anticipating God's, God's healed Rhonda, but I'm anticipating that he's going to go beyond just the healing and bring complete restoration in her strength. Why? Because my God doesn't do things part way. I can step back into one saying, God, would you heal our marriage? And God didn't just heal our marriage. God restored a love. God brought a companionship and a relationship that's deeper than I ever imagined. And today, this God that you and I serve is a God that's able to do the impossible. He flourishes in the impossible. He is challenged by the impossible because nothing's impossible to him. We think it's impossible and he goes, ha, let me show you what I'm going to do. 
I want to invite you. God's looking. He's put an ad out there throughout Scripture, and he's saying he wanted human partners. Eternity Incorporated, actively recruiting. Experience is not required. He's willing to train. Day and night hours are available. Unbelievable, unbelievable benefits are available. Permanent position is available. Opportunity for rapid advancement is available. Call 1-88-NOW-PRAY. Can I tell you today, that's what he's inviting all of us to do? Is to step in and go, I want to partner with you, God. God, God wants to partner with us. Remember that every prayer we don't pray is a prayer that goes unanswered. If we just assume, God, you understand. Yes, God understands our thoughts, but God's going, we're going to hear about it in a couple weeks. God wants us to ask. Today, in closing, the thing that I want you to go to the next slide, if you would. Application. In your heart, in your mind, would you fill out the application of prayer? Kevin Wright, put your social security number on there. Put your name, not my, not my name. Fill out this application. Saying, God, I want to sign up. Would you pray with expectation every prayer that you pray? Again, the goal of this series is to get you to a different place in your perspective of prayer. Saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. If you're here today and you're challenged with this concept of because I prayed, would you just raise your hands across this room? Because I prayed. God, today as we come into this room, God, we realize the value of prayer. And God, we can come and humbly say, would you forgive us for prayerlessness? God, would you forgive us for wrong perspectives? God, would you help us to pray more? God, would you help us to see the, the, the challenge that is there? God, I pray that we would be moved by because I prayed moments. God, whether it's sitting down for 15 minutes and praying or whether it's driving across town and praying, whether it's a thought of praying, it's not about the time or the place. God, it's about who we're praying to. And God, I pray that you'd help us to begin to conceive and understand and grasp this concept that prayer is easy in that sense. And God, help us to be focused on you today. God, I pray across this room that people would sign up in their hearts and their minds to pray. God, that we would be workers of prayer because we know that prayer works and we're gonna work at praying. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now because they know prayer works. They believe prayer works. They've seen prayer work. And if you need someone to pray with you that you may not have the faith for your own prayers, would you come and let them pray for you? That might challenge your faith as well. God bless you. Remember, tonight is family dinner. Uh, there are a lot of activities that are happening. Global uh, workers next week, some of my very favorite people in all the world are going to be here, and you will not want to miss that service. Be present. Be in the room. God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.